I like when I get you to laugh out of shame, or like at the same time you like you you are ashamed that you're laughing while laughing. It's really, really tickles me, Chris. It tickles me, Chris. It tickles my Chris <laughs> with a weird yeah, leprechaun accent. Tickles <laughs> <laughs> me, Chris. Yeah, it tickles me, Chris. Tickles me, Chris. <laughs> Guys, uh, that's really interesting. It's not. Games, video games, video games, video games, video games, video games. Video games, 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 video games. We saw a uh, personalized license plate on the way here. Mm-hmm. It was great. Good story. <laughs> it was Rooks the star R. Oh. <laughs> It's just R O C S T star symbol R, which is the worst license plate <laughs> in the entire world. Rocks to star R. Rocks to star R. Yeah, it's R O C, so it's Rocks to star R, which is just a sad, stuttering person, which I assumed because they looked like a dork. Rocks to star R. Anyway, that's a good story. Um, you notice, I feel like with personalized license plates, you're a douche. No. But I feel like everybody who owns personalized license plates knows each other. <laughs> That doesn't really, that really, I think, enhances my previous state. You know what I mean, though? Like, like, do you have a personalized license plate? I do not. Do you know anybody who does? I don't think I do. Right? Yeah. I think the inverse is also true. That's probably the case. Yeah, it's like, well, I have a little personalized license plate. Everybody I know does. You've got to go I'm to a meeting. I'm to star you got to go to a meeting. Yeah, it's like when people on the internet, like from internet communities who have known each other for like 10 years, meet for the first time, and it's like, oh, you're Darth Solo 42. Oh, you're Tentacle Sex. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, classic. classic. Like... Oh no, I'm Rokes the Star R. Oh man! Oh, with the, I saw you on the 405! Oh, That's when the guy walks up and says, oh, I'm lawyer. And everyone goes, Oh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> lawyer pulls up in his like Lamborghini. Right. Just, <laughs> yeah. My old housemate lived next to someone, or his parents lived next to someone who had a license plate that just said lawyer, which is just like. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Four buildings exploding. But see, it's one thing if you're a lawyer in like the state of Delaware. I mean, if lawyer lo- in California. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah, that is extreme. Yeah, he's been a lawyer since at least the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> he was the first lawyer of California. Did I? Did I ever talk about? Okay, this is jumping the gun here, but this is like a convoluted train of thought. But you guys, have you guys checked out Curiosity at all? Yes, the the rover. Uh, I'm sorry. Have you guys checked out Curiosity? What's inside the cube? Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that I have seen. <laughs> sorry, I'm also familiar with the Mars rover. Yeah, I walked by a uh, a programmer's desk at work who was playing Curiosity and was literally just pawing at a touch screen, like like a robot, just pawing. Right, let's start at the it. podcast and then we'll get, uh, we'll oh, get okay. back to this. Let's just. I had one other point to make about the no. We can, we can continue. This. <laughs> Continue that conversation directly. I just oh, let's just let's just tag this. It's November fifteenth, twenty twelve, and video games. 
This is Idle Thumbs 83. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. All right. So what, what were you going to say about license plates? Oh, I just imagine how, how many times do you think the guy who works at like the personalized license plate, like at the DMV, the guy who has to read all the things, rolls his eyes in a day? Like constantly, right? <laughs> That's just his job. That's just, just a professional it. eye roller. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. Rokes, a star R. Good. Nice. <laughs> do you think they pre-screen those or do you think he just gets all of them where he's just like, shit, no, they do. No, and I was tits, reading a thing about No, them. I mean, yeah. like the pre-screening guy. Like, is, is this the same guy that is uh, approved? Uh, like, yeah. Do you think you can even get him past the counter? Like, do you submit them online? Or if there's like a, a robot yeah, that he's just goes, got this, like, oh, that has a dick in it. Yeah. No, well, hopefully there's, hopefully that community when they meet up, the guy who gets through like the incredibly convoluted sex term, like, conveys in a way that doesn't get taken down by the censors. Hopefully that guy just gets high-fived everywhere yeah. by the rest of the room at their like annual convention <laughs> or, or whatever meetup this is that we're describing. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that was all I had. That was the only thing I had to say. Uh, <laughs> is that so, yeah. so anyway. Rokes to star R. Rokes to star R. Um, uh, curiosity. Have you guys played that? What's inside yeah, the cube? Yeah, I, I mean... I, I don't know. Try, I was trying to figure out what was inside the cube. I had to touch a lot of smaller cubes to receive coins. I want to know what's inside the game because I can't get in because of the servers. Oh, there's a cube that you touch, and then parts of the cube disappear. Yeah, that's about all that's in there. You that's get, all. That is the extent of the you gameplay get coins for that something. I've seen at least. I've heard that this requires uh, a team of five to be working 36 hour sprints for a week or two uh, at all times <laughs> to make happen. Did really? you see that stuff? I did. Uh, the video where they walk around the office. Well, that and Peter Molyneux was posting tweets that were like, team pulled another 36-hour thing. Oh, my God. Just uh, working hard, great. They're just champs. And everyone was like, this is like a company of five it, people this, on your passion project. And you got, like, you're this posting. Is how, this is how insane video game development. This is how fucked up video game <laughs> it's development. It's like, like, finally, done with this 300-person team working on the new Fable game. You know, line of oh, triple A. Getting out of AAA development, going to do well, just going to do the most simple, just little app for a phone, just click boxes. That's you know, really just trying to strip it down and just really, I really just want to take the stress out of game development. Like flash forward six months, oh my god! Like just <laughs> Steve has been home in four weeks. Like, <laughs> what? What is it about video games that just makes anything just the life ruiner? Like what's inside the kitchen? Your soul. <laughs> Like any scope, apparently any team size, any concept, including click on cube, is just like, well, cr- time to buckle down and get this done, guys. Really just. They made the mistake of making a cube that hundreds of thousands of people have to click on at the same time, which apparently is not the, the simplest cube to design. Yeah, I'm That's- sure. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's a legitimately difficult engineering problem, but it still is ridiculous to me. Yeah. Also, the reason I brought it up in, um, after the, um, Personalized license plate. Because <laughs> the the main thing that I think of when I when I see curiosity, there were a couple of guys. Um, at oh, double, the Mars rover. <laughs> at the, at work, um, the like guys who make the Double Fine documentary, the two player productions guys. Um, the day or the day after it came out, they were just playing it constantly. They were just on it all day, like tapping around, and uh, and it made me think just watching them just do that, just because they weren't. I don't think they were trying to like draw things in it or anything. Like there's, you know, I've seen. A bunch of screenshots of interesting patterns and shapes and stuff people have made and messages. Um, but, you know, I think like most people, they were just tapping, just just tapping, 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 tapping. And it reminded me of, I don't know, if, I don't remember if there's a thing I've talked about on the podcast before. But when I was in high school, there was this uh, game, I think it was a Flash game called The Kill Everyone Project. 
Have I have I brought this up on the cast? No. Maybe I have, and it was like this is going to be sounds hilarious. like a video game someone plays. In this is going to be a, a hilarious games played. By the way, <laughs> it was it was literally just a button that you click, and every time you click it, um, it like decreases the world population by one, like in the counter at the top of the thing. But like many people are doing this simultaneously, right? So it's going down by a lot, and it tracks. Like how many clicks you personally are doing like per minute and how many the overall rate is. And it starts from um, – it started at the smallest country in the world, started at the Vatican and then went all the way and like to China and went, went in order. So like you work through each of these countries' right. population sequentially. And it took many, 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 many months and possibly like years, possibly multiple years. You did it. <laughs> um, well, the the community did it. But, like, the reason I bring it up... Is, we all did it. The, the reason I bring it up is because even though there was nothing to this, like, all it was was clicking a thing. And the funniest thing about it is people would game it, and, like, they had to eventually find ways to, like, block software people would use to, to right. automatically click faster. And the, the developers actually did have to keep up with this and make sure it wasn't being exploited, which is hysterical. <laughs> there was an arms race to prevent abuse, yeah. uh, to prevent and yeah, automated genocide. This was so genocide. unsophisticated compared to kind of the modern cow clicker version of this. There were no rewards. There were no achievements. There were no microtransactions. Like there was no – it wasn't a profit-seeking exercise on the part of the the, peop- the guy who made it or whoever made it. Um, it was literally just a goofy thing on a website. But there was a chat room in it. And the crazy thing about this is that the people who were in here all the time clicking this stupid button, like we all got to know each other really well just because we were all in the same little chat room clicking this button constantly. And so everybody knew each other by their just username. I think mine was just Remo. I usually just go by that or just my name on the internet. And uh, and it was just – and like there were – unofficial community sites for this thing and one guy at one point sent me like burned cds when that was still a thing of like of like the who and like and stuff because it you know it came out in the chat that we were both into some of the same bands and like it was this weird thing and i remember at one point i um you know i kind of just stopped doing it because it got boring after a while (laughs) and uh but this was after like months of being just there clicking this thing and like being in the chat room and i came back like several months later and it was like hey remo like i haven't seen you here for ages and like it was still killing (laughs) still killing everybody and like it, it really was that very specific internet thing of like knowing people really well but only in a certain very limited specific range and only well, you have your... one thing in common which is genocide <laughs> which is interesting but like the but the the funny thing about it is that the that was totally um incidental right like it wasn't like everybody in here is like into nine inch nails and like goth shit or whatever i don't even know right like the, there wasn't any tonal Take that, Nazis! I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like I, Nazis. There, there, there was no, there was no like tonal. There was um, no cultural through thread. Yeah. Other than you guys, oh, were on said, oh, this is a funny web page. Yeah. yeah. The, the internet and in the nineties. The website had all kinds of other just goofy flash things on it. Like there were other games, and there were like experiments, like just little color cycle things that the guy made. Like just all kinds of just flash stuff from a guy who liked to make weird flash things. And this was just one of them. I think this was the one that actually made his site very highly trafficked because for some reason it kind of caught on. Um, but I remember having that moment of coming back like six months later just just on a lark 
and having that like experiencing that moment of recognition of everybody being like, hey, what up? And it just so happened that like that one week there were a bunch of kind of old timers from from <laughs> from TCAP, which is what what people call it, like showed up within the span of a few days, and it was like, oh man, it's like the old home week back here. Like Remo's back. Like this other guy. Like I don't remember anyone else's name, but like you know, just all this stuff. And I I hadn't thought about this in in years. And when I was going through some of my stuff several months ago, I found like the burn CDs that guy had made me. And like, I never did this, but I know that, that some of the people there actually met in person. Uh, like they had little, like very small meetups and stuff. Uh, it, I, it was just, a, it was a weird thing and it was all predicated on essentially nothing. It right, was just right. that weird internet phenomenon. At that meetup, you can't be like, so how many times did you click the button? Like yeah. that was not part of the right. conversation. And that's not even what people talked about right. in the chat on the site. I don't know. It was just crazy. And the, the, uh, were there any like sort of like, at least when you hit a marquee moment when they're like, oh, it has wiped out oh, the whole country. No, people are like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. When you got to like nearing the end of like, you know, a, a decently sized country, like, uh, Austria or something, right? Like one that isn't just like a tiny little principality or island or something. Like there, pe- there definitely were people went crazy, and like there was always a traffic surge at that point, and like the rate would increase a lot. And but but for the most part, it was just nothing. And like by the time it got to China, I mean the funny thing about it is that China ended up being like a huge percentage of the overall time spent, just because China's right. population is so enormous, right. and just being like. 40 percent well. yeah india yeah. as well being like 40 percent through china was just like nothing i mean there might as well have been nothing happening even though there were tons of people clicking the game at the in, in those moments the game became almost entirely irrelevant to discussion because there were just the milestone right. was so far away and i think that was the point at which i left so i never ended up actually i wasn't there like for the moment or even the the weeks leading up to the the completion i remember going back at one point and seeing it complete and being like oh huh Funny thing. And it was this weird moment of like, guess those guys did it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I guess they're not here anymore. One day you'll look weird. to the sky and you'll see a flash and you'll know that we accomplished our mission. Yeah. <laughs> One day you'll wake up and everyone's dead. <laughs> they were all clicked on by a dude in a chat. Anyway, this is like, it's, it's kind of a ridiculous story because it, it's a, massive waste of time on my part it's a tremendous waste of time um those part those types of internet communities were ones that i was totally i was a that was a big actual just part of what i was into in like the late 90s early 2000s like that's kind of where idle thumbs came from actually is that is groups like that yeah that's totally not not related to anything that i ever do at this point yeah, I no, me, I always no, wonder no, if that sort of thing I. exists. Like, in still? fact, well, well, yeah, I think so. But it my, does. Yeah, yeah, no, of it absolutely does. But uh, but I know what you mean. Like in much my, cleaner ways. My ability that. to like maintain any kind of continuity in that kind of community at this point is just zero. It's abs. It's non-existent. Like I can't. It's really hard for me to maintain. Yep. Unless it's one that I'm actually affiliated with, right? Like Idle Thumbs or uh, like right. the Double Fine forum stuff like that. But, but like right. anything outside of my direct. What is directly relevant to my life, it's really hard for me to – but at that point, the thread required was apparently so incredibly minimal as to be almost non-existent. Like mm-hmm. just goofy flash thing where you click a button. It's funny yeah. just how different my yeah, like, it's weird. You know, center of gravity is on the internet now, I guess. Or probably just as a person, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, even like we went to PAX this year and I met all the people who moderate the Telltale Games Forum, which is mm-hmm. all just community members. And yeah. they're all like – 
great friends who right. who all hang out in the moderator forum and who clearly all also just talk on Steam and I am and just basically just know each other as friends at this point. And I was like, oh, God, I'm an admin on this forum and I only know like three of you guys. <laughs> I've never spoken to you in person. It was really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, internet communities are are crazy. They're crazy. Things. I think they're really cool. No, no it's cool. It's but just, they're super weird. I, yeah, it's it's a new. It's definitely a a new social construct. I mean, it piggybacks on the directly on the back of existing social contracts er, um, uh, interactions that have existed for millennia, obviously. But like the way in which they're formed and like the sort of temporal space yeah. that they exist in is totally bizarre. And aspects of it that can come out simply because of the like of things that have never existed. You know, there are things like you know like like pen pals and things like that have always existed and mm-hmm. like there are aspects of that. Um, yeah. It's fascinating. It is. So yeah. what is inside the cube? I don't know. It'll change your life though. I bet nobody knows. Oh, and anyway, the thing that was funny to me about comparing that and this is that, is that even though the actual thing you're doing is so similar, the context for it is so different and there's none of that kind of like interaction that occurs in curiosity. And it also exists like as a for profit thing where, you can buy a fifty thousand pound, fifty thousand dollar pickaxe or whatever the hell you can do in that game. Yeah, it uh, is definitely like, the difference. The, between, the, case, the difference between old internet exactly, community and yeah. old internet social and yeah. new internet social. Like yeah. the idea of just finding things someone might find interesting, and it, you can bolt a fucking chat room or IRC client onto it, and a community will just grow around it. But I feel like that there's no trust that people will do that at this point. Right. In fact, just the other day, God, this is so weird. Um, I was reading Greg Brown linked this Wikipedia linked the Wikipedia page or no actually linked the website of milliondollarhomepage.com if you guys remember that there's some some yeah. kid from the UK sold advertising on his website for a dollar per pixel in a thousand by thousand pixel space that you could buy advertising in for a dollar per pixel like it was this huge phenomenon in like 2005 anyway that, that guy now works on this site calm.com and I went there and if you go there it's just a full screen image of like a pastoral field with a voice being like welcome to calm.com a place on the internet where you can do nothing and be calm and it's just whatever <laughs> and it sucks because the only thing I could think of when I saw it is like what's how are they making money off this like what's, <laughs> what's the business plan here like what's the thing that's gonna monetize my brain or whatever like it just sucks that now I can't look at anything on the internet without immediately assuming what's that the what's the monetization strategy going, for Zombo? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's basically ZomboCom, um, but I have to assume, but somebody, less soothing. Weirdly. I have to assume somebody. Yeah, it is actually less soothing, but I have to assume somebody has a plan to make dollars off of it somehow. Speaking of making dollars and things on the internet, you all know that you can get a Goatsy email address now, right? You can sign up to be on a list for one anyway. That's true. So that's that's important. It's weird Thanks. that. The, yeah. the sign up for Goatsea. Like if you just straight up go to Goatsea.cx now, it's now just a thing to like sign up for a service. It's like the most <laughs> innocuous, banal. I like <laughs> of all the metaphors for how the internet has been. I know. Tamed. That's exactly. The, <laughs> it is the the actual yeah, internet equivalent of a tourist CX. trap now, where it's like <laughs> exactly yeah. Back in back in my day, there was a picture of a guy pulling his fucking ass apart and showing you prolapsed butthole. Now. <laughs> now good morning <laughs> now get your novelty email address. right exactly yeah, right. and keychain <laughs> it's like down oh, oh god <laughs> goatsea keychain yeah well it's just the keychain just has engraved your email address at goatsea.cx <laughs> the image is not involved <laughs> it, as a tourist trap is hilarious to me it is, yeah, is it, it, oh god it, it, sorry also goatsea is a tourist trap is hilarious <laughs> 
Podcast is over. All right. Well, so this has been a weird podcast. This is the episode where we're just talking about the internet. Oh. Oh, what? Are you going to talk about a game? Ooh. I wanted to talk about a thing, but you probably wanted. It's this thing you guys were playing. Oh, I was going to talk about. Yeah, I was going to seg from. Uh, Kill everyone reminds me of real exactly, life. Exactly. I was going to say needless and <laughs> needless and, and pointless death. Oh, real lives 2012 oh or 2010. God, 2010. Yeah. Yeah. What a game. That game is awesome. Yeah. This game is really good. This game actually, um, we. And the forums pointed it out and then expounded on uh, what we were talking about even more. But we pointed out just sort of, a, we were talking about the Oregon Trail recently. When was that? This is a month ago. Uh, a, month a month ago. In this game sort of tickled the same the same yeah. pleasure oh, yeah, zone as yeah. the Oregon Trail, mm-hmm. which is not a, like a very, you know, that's a, that's a pretty heavy It's not a well-tickled zone. Mm-hmm. It's a rarely tickled zone. Well, the funny thing to me yeah. about this game versus the Oregon Trail is that I mean, this game is a. It feels like a less, definitely less sophisticated design than than Oregon Trail. Oh right? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Real Lives twenty ten, both in in execution and in what's going under under the hood, is incredibly simplistic. Like right. to the point of of feeling almost like half complete in some ways. It's kind of just but, a series of dice rolls with narrative. Exactly. Content, right? yeah. Exactly. I mean, as far as I can tell, it's pretty much what's going on. Is it's informed dice rolls. They though. take I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they take, take stats. statistics from various countries and social groups and, and, you know, like, uh, throughout the world. And as you start playing a character at age zero, and then it's just year by year, things happen, uh, presumably based on their relative frequency to right. such a person born in such a place. And like, that's about it. And you can choose to do things like you can say, I want to find a different job, or I want to ask for a raise, or I want to move to a different city, or I want to emigrate to a different country, uh, or I want to try to get married, try to have a child. There's all kinds of things you can do. Um, at any, pretty much at any time, at least once you've reached the age where those things become appropriate. Um, but just those things being exposed, even without a lot of artifice, is really incredible. Well, yeah, the simplicity of that seems kind of like part of its strength. It's not trying yeah. to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the, I mean, even just when things start becoming available, like the, I was, my character was uh, what I played, Chandra, uh, I was a girl born in India. And just, you know, when, when you start, all of the options on your action screen are grayed out. You know, all those things are just listed. You can't do any of them. But as a girl living in India at age seven, get a job became available. I know. And it was just like, oh, my God. And in my, in my second year of school, I was removed from school. And then, like, at any point when these things come up, you can press more info. And it gives you, like, the associated statistic that explains why this is the case. And it's like, you know – fewer than 50%, like the female literacy rate in India is like, right. Uh, it's low. And the percentage of girls who finish school is low and, and, you know, relative to the developed world, um, or the, you know, the, the, the Western world, I suppose. And it's just, it, I don't know. There's something just about just being confronted with these things. It's sort of terrifying in a way. Um, the, I, I won't go through my entire, my character's entire life. It, she actually had a pretty, a long life. I mean, she lived, um, to her mid, mid late seventies. Um, wow. Which, yeah, which I thought, you know, that's a, that's a pretty full life. And, uh, and actually kept the same job for almost her entire life. And I, <laughs> every single year I asked for a raise and I <laughs> paid off because I got ended up getting one about every three years, which is not great, but, um, felt not the worst in the context of this game. Um, and the funny thing is I was fired from my job as a seamstress, which I'd had since I was about 15 years old until I was like 70. And then at age 70, I started the job as a fortune teller, which kind of cracked me up. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, and you know it's funny with the fortune teller thing. I applied to that job like eight times before I got it because it was the highest paying you job. Applied? To, uh, this, uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. It doesn't feel like a job. But it was you the highest for. paying job for a seventy-year-old woman in India with my skills and and like education level, which were low. And uh, and I, I applied to it like eight times, and I finally got in, and I was so excited. I don't know, it was weird. Um, it died two short years later. <laughs> the single most affecting moment I had in this game, and it really. It's a shadow, obviously, of the actual like magnitude of of this event that someone might have in the real world. So I don't want to, you know, like I just want to make that clear now that I'm aware of that. So you're but saying real lives is not real life, yeah. but I still want to just point it out because it really it was the moment that kind of like I don't know it it hung over the entire game for me um, when I was so um, there. My family did pretty well when I was growing up relative to other Indian families. Um, like we were, we were doing pretty well, but then there started just being all kinds of problems. Like I, my, I had siblings who would die in childbirth or like who would die when they were young. Um, like it just, it, it got really atrocious. And then when I was seven, my older sister, like a message just popped up and said, uh, your sister has been raped. And like, that was the entire message. It's like, Oh my God. Like it was just, I'm seven. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was unbelievable. And then, and then when I got to, um, uh, when I was like age 20, I was in a relationship with some guy Uh-oh. and then it was like, you have been raped. It's like, Oh my God, Jesus. <laughs> and then I was dumped by this guy. And then I had a child that I tried to give up, but was unsuccessful and then had this child. And like, by the time I had the child, I was in a relationship with another guy. And like, I, it was just the most complicated, like just in my brain, I was trying to like puzzle through it. And it was just this, like within three years, it's just, or I guess a I mean, everything was just like went insane for my character. And I'm just like, this, this is, this is horrible. Like, this is just such a like psychologically destructive. And she, uh, my character fell into clinical depression. Um, I mean, it was just really, it was really insane. And I remember like a year after that, I had this child, right? That was, that was born out of this terrible situation. And I was in this relationship with this guy and I proposed marriage to this guy or like, you know, and I, and he accepted and I have to say, like, the moment where the game was, like, he has accepted, like, you're getting married, was one of the most, like, relieving like, <laughs> moments. Like, I, it was a crazy feeling. It actually have, sheds like, a light on who that guy exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, in such oh a wonderful God, way. thank the fucking world. Like, holy Christ. I was so relieved. Like, it's crazy. Had he said no, your depression just would have I know, plummeted. I know. <laughs> but it was amazing. Like, just the, the fact that this game made me, even with – as unsophisticated as this game is, like from a systems point right. of view, like the fact that the that these things resulted in that like system of events and then just the overwhelming sense of relief I had when it was like some element of stability in this character's life has right. been acquired thanks to this guy agreeing to like raise this child with me and like be a part- partner with me for life. And like we stayed married f- for, you know, 50 plus years, like 55 years until he died like at a you know at the age until in, you like, killed him when, when he was like 80 or something you know which again right. pretty pretty full yeah, life yeah, but yeah. like and and past that point um her character her, her life was actually relatively i mean relatively devoid of major tragedies right i mean there were ups and downs like every life but like it was really past that age of like 2021 the really just completely atrocious stuff for the most part ended like there was you know a a flood that ended up costing us like 
a huge chunk of our savings and like th- things like that. But they've felt very weatherable compared to this just deluge of just just grief in the yeah. early stages of adulthood. Um, I mean, it, I don't know. It was amazing. It was really incredible. Um, it was a crazy thing. I'm really glad I played through that game. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you were in India. Yes. Good. My character was in Florinopolis in, in Brazil, mm-hmm. which is actually a place where I knew a guy from, which is weird. And I've always heard that it's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's like just absolutely stunningly beautiful mm-hmm. on the coast of uh, Brazil, south of Sao Paulo. And I was born in a total squalor. And then in my after one year of being one year of life, year one, my mother got a great job and we went from squalor with meager food to like luxurious food. We had one telephone at the beginning and then by my second year of life, we had two phones, two TVs and a car. And it was like awesome. Wow. Yeah. It was fantastic. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this game's easy. Your life took a turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like your DayZ experience. Yeah, it was exactly like my Daisy experience. I got a bike. Yeah. And uh my brothers were older than me and uh I was some um Simoa, I think was his name. And they uh went to school, they got into a lot of relationships and got broken up with a lot, which I thought was funny. My dad re- became depressed but then recovered from depression. He was depressed before I was born. Uh <clears throat> all of our health was great. Uh, my brother was in a car accident, but he was fine. My dad got his master's. Wow. Yeah. Coming up aces. My 12th birthday, I get, I think it's called, let me look it up. I have it, I have it right here. Hold on. It's called Chagas disease, mm-hmm. which is a parasite you get from like uh, being bit by a bug. And uh, Charles Darwin died of it. Hmm. And... Oh, Should have evolved huh. a little bit more, Darwin. Sorry, go ahead. Take that, Darwin. <laughs> and I looked at it. I was sitting there looking at the stat screen. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at how good, like, like fantastic home, luxurious food level, where my parents are socking money away. Yeah. Just right. everything. I'm like, I'm going to college. I'm oh, already yeah. thinking about it. One real quick things. thing, sorry. In her, in her older age, Chandra, my character, got really into, like, playing the stock market. And I actually made <laughs> quite a lot of money. Um I mean, by my life's previous standards, mm-hmm. um, by investing in like jewelry and high risk bonds and stuff, uh, it was pretty good. And I was able to, in, in the later stages of my life, actually start donating a lot of charity, which felt really good. Sorry, go ahead. So I get this disease and I read about it in the learn more section, which is great. Like that is the, the amount yeah. of information that they mm-hmm. give to you is fantastic. <clears throat> so I'm like, okay, this feels completely livable. I was dead in two years. Oh, yeah. That was it. 14. Died of this parasite. My family was thriving. So that was the game for me. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I, I mean, All the money in the world. The office, I was playing you. it and I was like, this game is easy. Everything's coming up Samoa. <laughs> Horrible. Dead in tears. Yeah. So real good, life. though, I guess. Well, also, because like there would be these floods and there was actually there was a lot of famine. So it'd be like there's a famine as, as hit the country. 60,000 people are dead. 60,000 people are dead. Jesus. It affects 11 million people. Your family is fine. Happened three times. Well, I was like seven, nine, and 10. Right. 
And I was so you just, weathered all these like incredible. Right. So we're just have we have this really nice upper middle class life, upper class life for as far as I can tell. And uh, I have a younger sister and two older brothers. Um, right after I got sick, I asked a girl to be my girlfriend and she said no. <laughs> and that was sort of the first bad thing that happened to me. And I was like, that's but just it's an- like the lowest impact bad thing. Right. And I was like, that's just an aberration. It'll be fine. Look, because yeah. in my head, I'd already woven the narrative that I was going to get over this disease. Right. I was just going to triumph, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. That's what your family does. Right. And then in my like late teens, I was going to like put way more time into like sports and physical stuff because mm-hmm. I was kind of in reading and music and art. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll put it into physical stuff. I'll get into sports when I, after yeah. my 13th birthday. Yeah. And then I'll like give me some like physical fortitude going into my life. I had it all, all oh, figured man. out. Speaking of that, by the way, going back to like when you die, you get an obituary. Um, I assume you got that as well. Oh, I got a 14 year old's obituary. It yeah. ruined my fucking day. <laughs> yeah. Mine, mine was really interesting because it was so, it was so understated. You know, it was just like, I can't, uh, it, it's know. very simple. It's like so-and-so died at the age of whatever they did this, they did this, they right. did this. And it was just yeah. like, mine was three she lines. Didn't, it, mine was like very, it was like, she didn't, she didn't, she wasn't known very well in the community and like she didn't, she wasn't a very visible person, but she studied music her entire life. And like, she always tried to give to charity and it was like. It was so, it was so like nice. I don't know. I really, it was just really. So you feel like you beat, you won the game. I feel like I did really well, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it came out of just like a really, just like one of the most unimaginably bad situations and like really made the best of mm-hmm. my next playthrough. Another half century of living. I'm definitely going to play again. I might play before we leave, depending on when we're done here. But, mm-hmm. um, I want to just make the most reckless decisions possible mm-hmm. and see what happens. Like quit school as soon as I can. Like do anything I can, yeah. um, and just see. I feel like if I do that, maybe everything will come up. Everything will work out. Yeah, yeah. It's a good game. Yeah, it is. And it's got a. It has a free trial download. Just type in "Real Lives 2010." Yeah, you get three three lives for free. It looks like a questionable edutainment site that you get yeah. it from, but just download it. You'll be fine. Yeah. It's great. I'm gonna pay for it. It's really good. Since we're just backfilling games we talked about last week for a second, did you guys have you guys all played Frog Fractions at I this point? Played completed. Frog. You, did, you completed com- did you complete Frog Fractions? Uh, no, I got to the point where it wanted me to start giving back powers. Oh man, <laughs> oh, so you, you didn't? So you never unlocked the secret of Frog Fractions. Oh. There's a secret. Oh There's... my god, you. We still can't. Oh, are we, we just have gonna, to just go. Yeah, yeah, you must. Can't do this you must. So, I'm not. I'm not going back. So you got you got to the point where you upgraded your lily pad to a turtle to a dragon. Yes. But you didn't use the. It then said you can use WASD to move around, right? I did that. You didn't ever move down. At which point the dragon swims down into the lake. Oh my god, what? And then it unlocks an entire fucking crazy, like, multi game genre adventure where the frog goes to, like, the bug planet Mars and, like, flies around in a spaceship with a text adventure and shit. It's crazy. Fuck you guys. What? That's in that game? (laughs) It's like. The, it, you know what? I actually do blame you completely because Frog Fractions felt like one of those bullshit things that you guys would make me play for a minute, and then it would just be like, like okay, what, like what things? What are these things? I don't know, like video games. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to you guys, now I have to do this stupid weekly thing where I talk about video I games. Thought like, I, was, I got to the point oh, where I got, I got the laser stupid. tongue, and like the I would, I was just eating bugs and crazy, like yeah. I've done nine I've seen, to the e fourteenth power about, came out. Probably about twenty five percent of the posts I've seen about Frog Fractions by people who were recommended frog fractions are like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like you add and remove the laser like 40, hundred times. Ha ha. Very funny frog fractions. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that encapsulates my opinion. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so when you, when you go underwater with the dragon, then like you get, 
you get like infinite coins, and then you come back up. Oh, and you can, infinite coins, and Chris? You, like, yeah, you go to the bottom of the lake, and oh, there's just money down there. Yeah, no, like oh, actually God. infinite. Like the number, it just changes from a number to like all lots the coins. Or yeah, yeah. And and then you you go up into space, and then it's like a space shooter, like a Galaxian style thing or whatever, uh, where you're shooting with a laser, and then you go to, then you reach the bug Mars. Oh, then you have to get Mars citizenship. Yeah, and then you're put on trial, and you it's take a you take a out. bug citizenship exam. Uh, it's important to point out that this game, for the first. What seems to be forever of it <laughs> is just you moving left to right. Like, what is those, like, sort of that, that old game, that old, like, shipped with windows where, like, guys in parachutes are coming down and you shot them. Yeah, the sure. Game. Or it's like, it's like Missile Command, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's just yeah, Missile Command, missile except command. you're a frog with a really long tongue. Yeah. Uh, and then you go to Bug Mars, you so become a bug citizen. Then this happens. A bug citizen? A, bug, a citizen of yeah, Bug Yeah, you become Mars, naturalized. You get a little, like, identification card that you sign with your mouse uh, like your cursor. Oh, I wrote um, bugs. Uh, you God, what happens next? I mean, it's just it just goes on and on. Yeah, there's all sorts of weird shit. Like where you every end up, time you you think like, it becomes DLC for Dragon Age. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the number of game genres that end up being represented is just out of control. Like you always, every time another one comes up, it's still surprising. There's a text adventure, as Jake said. Like there's a weird just maze thing with just narration, just just an actual voice just talking about the history of boxing like this fictional history of boxing like there's i don't even want to give away all of them because yeah i know it's true yeah there's there's some good secret ones so that you're show saying up. there's more to frog fractions yeah yeah in fact <laughs> the only thing that the, the main thing that's disappointing to me about frog fractions is that the game that it purports to be at the beginning isn't a more credible edutainment game i know you're not actually eating bugs to make fractions which was really disappointing no. to me yeah yeah like i, I wish if I it had really... started off as actual edutainment but then just fell yeah. into this surreal yeah, yeah. because it yeah. makes it clear right from the beginning that there's a lot of winky stuff going on like yeah. just Instantly. the fact that nobody could ever play this game and actually expect to learn about fractions like if, yeah if it made it's actually a little what put bit me off of it, of it. yeah i went like oh great hilarious because i feel like if the i game... thought that was the joke yeah but and yeah. that would be lame, a really lame that's like almost like tim and eric style just like exactly that's that's exactly what i thought it was yeah. it was just like right. it still has a little bit of that sensibility to it no but it then totally does but it has just, a lot of it has enough novelty to make up for it yeah. but like the version of that that is represented just by the frog fractions portion yep. is really God, although when it lame. changes from fraction to scientific notation i was very confused and then when you're passing the citizenship exam one of the dialogue options when someone asks you about fractions and one of the one of the four things you can say is, well, actually, yeah, I've been a little more into scientific notation lately. And that totally <laughs> cracked me up for some reason yeah, because the no, game just good. silently changed at one yeah, point. Yeah. And apparently it was just because the frog's preference for fractions uh, right. waned yeah. moments into frog fractions. Yeah. It's a weird game. So frog fractions is cool. <laughs> it doesn't really have anything to say. Like, it's for a game that's that high concept. It's kind of just a big gag, but it's a pretty well executed gag. Yeah. It's worth playing through just because of yeah. the the heap. Just it just keeps going and going and going and going yeah. in a way that it's good. Mm-hmm. Frog fractions. That courtroom scene is really reminiscent of the visit, though. Yeah, it is. It's it exactly is. the same, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just, why are you playing I mean, this? The funny thing about frog fractions and the visit is, I feel like they're they're actually very. They try to do similar things, right? <laughs> like they take a very ostensibly straightforward, simple type of game, and then just really. Just play with all your expectations right. about it, and I think the visit is more successful in that. In that, like Frog Fractions is more outrageous and more surprising and like more voluminous, but 
uh, the visit, and not that these games need to be compared, but they were, they reminded me of each other so much yeah. that I just have to praise the visit, you know, praise Myas and like his game, the visit for being really a really elegant version of that, like really succinct and and clever. So yeah, play the visit if you haven't. There's a new version of it, I think. Since yeah, we it's on new guns. First. Did you guys yeah. ever play any of the Cliff Johnson puzzle games? Like, did you play three and three or the Fool's Errand or I any of those? So. Okay. What what is their when do they exist? They're, well, they started off as Mac shareware games. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a hilarious episode of Idle. <laughs> I know. A, bit, a decent subset of our listenership is Sorry, this is so weird. with what is well, going on Well, I was going to talk about that because Frog Fractions and it's sort of weird. Uh, like every screen is a new paradigm and is a new sort of weird thing you have to deal with. Uh-huh. Uh, is kind of this guy's... <clears throat> Shtick, and he he made all these Max Shareware games that were sort of puzzly adventure games that also sometimes had weird sort of spatial traversal and weird other things like that inside of them. Mm-hmm. But um, the most known one was a game called The Fool's Errand, and the sequel to that has been in development for like 10 years, and it just came out within the last month. So if you're a person who likes puzzle games, and also a maybe wants a, like it's worth it's worth looking at that stuff. I don't really have enough to say about it because I haven't played them in a million years. But yeah, yeah. The aesthetic of Frog Fractions weirdly reminded me of that guy's games from the 90s, <laughs> yeah. but they're legitimate actual sort of like slightly surreal puzzle narrative right. combinations that actually have really, really, really strong um, like logic puzzle and sort of just, I don't know, they reminded me, or Frog Fractions reminded me of that in a crazy way. And then right. I went to that guy's site and then saw that he actually has released the game for the first time since I was a kid. Crazy. So, uh, yeah. yeah. The Fool's Errand is good. Anyway, games. Sweet. Frog Fractions. <laughs> this is a weird episode. It is a very <laughs> weird episode. Let me, let, me, let me ground it a little bit more in something someone might have actually played. Uh, I played I've been playing a bunch more um, Mark, Mark, of the Mark of the Ninja. Yeah. I, know, I see you on Steam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you there. And it's been my, my enjoyment of it has, has been increasing as I've gotten deeper into the game. Okay. And there's an, it's interesting. Like one of the things I talked about um, a couple weeks ago about it was especially – you know, in comparison to Dishonored, which are they're both kind of prominent stealth games that have come out recently, or, or games with stealth in them, um, but they're very different in a lot of other ways. And like the the way in which they're different is how you know precise Mark of the Ninja is, right? And like how right. crisp everything is from the art direction to just the feeling of of everything being very deline- delineated and like specifically, you know, every, all the relationships are right there on the screen for you to see. Right. Um, and uh, the uh, you know, every time you in every level, when you look at your map and your objectives and stuff, there's three kind of optional goals you can pursue, or like optional conditions you can satisfy on, over the course of completing the levels, which might be things like kill five guards, or like don't get seen by any guards throughout the whole level, or like sabotage this thing without setting off the alarm, or whatever. I mean, there's all just all different things, and they're different for every level. And I felt like for the first several levels of the game, those goals and also all the optional, all the like unlockable um, abilities and styles you get were all very much geared to killing guards. Uh-huh. And as someone who was playing in a way where I tried to never get, to never kill any guards, and not only that, but pretty much never get seen, um, it felt it felt like the game was really weighted very heavily against my play style, which bothered me because the notion of like the the kind of fictional wrapper of the game seemed like it should really support my style, which is just super stealthy, like always in the shadows. Um, and it's been cool because as I've been getting further into the game, I feel like it's, there's finally more of these are starting to be 
actually achievable with the restrictions I set for myself. Right. Uh, and there's actually like I'm starting to unlock styles that are more about stealth because um, so many of the unlockable abilities for like the first several hours of the game are just all about like kill a guy, like string up a guy into a chandelier, like kill a guy when coming out from a thing. Like they're just all about killing guys. Um, and I'm finally getting to this point where I now I, I have a style that allows me to have two distraction items rather in them not even have a sword. Uh, and like the, a lot of the goals end up being weird things like get smelled by all the dogs in this level, which was what I really enjoyed. That's, um, <laughs> that's an awesome weird yeah, medical. Anyway. It's, it is good. It's a good goal. Also, fact, that has nails all over it. You'll get to the next level and just smell every dog in the level. <laughs> Your smell radius is much smaller than the dog's, so it's dangerous. Um, like, I think I recently completed a level for the first time in which I actually achieved all three of those side goals, which I think was the first time I'd done that because it was the first time it was actually possible to do. It was like three do. nonviolent. Yeah. They weren't yeah. exclusive sort of things? Where it's well, like- they weren't things that were – that none of them were things that required killing a dude. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, I've, the only guys I've killed so far have been like a couple bosses that you have to kill, which, you know, whatever. Um uh, and it's I don't know like I feel like as I'm getting into the game the that that space has been opening up more and I I, I kind of wish that that more of that stuff had been su- supported I mean the game totally supports my playstyle which is great but this is one of those games where all of that precision that I was talking about right. makes me much more receptive to kind of arbitrary achievementy things like I'm more receptive to that stuff kind of the more gamey a game feels right like right. the 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 more fuzzily a game kind of melts into its own fiction, the less I kind of enjoy Not, that. Right, but there's, the exact there's this sort of almost like arcadey presentation to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like it's it's a game that's totally perfect for like setting yourself those challenges, right? And right. and giving you these very specific goals. And I think that stuff is, is great in a game like this. And I, I think it's it was a cool design decision to not just shunt that stuff away into our into um uh achievements, but actually put them right on your goal screen as these things that they, that are like on a per level basis, are, and I think that was great. I just wish that they had been more equitably kind of dispersed, you know. Like in, in uh, and I, I, it's been really fun getting into the part of the the game. I, I don't know how far I am. I've been playing for about six hours, I guess. And uh, I don't know. That's all I really. I guess I've pretty much said what I was going to say. I just I'm getting into the the point of the game where it feels like it's really a lot more achievable in the or like the. There's just more there. That seems like me. that must have been a deliberate choice on their part. Must, because, I mean, sure I know that been, yeah. making the game that they're making, they must have known that there are people who'd want a non-lethal playthrough. Yeah. But it feels like they waited it. They waited early game more in favor of probably the larger audience group, which true, is the people right? who yeah. are just like, That's I want to be a sick ninja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas they know that the Chris Ramos of the world will continue to non-lethal their way through until they can hold two non-lethal <laughs> items and get smelled by dogs. Right. Well, also, the combat stuff is things that they know as a studio that they're really goddamn good at. Mm-hmm. Just having made yeah. Shank 1 and Shank 2, they knew, like, okay, we can sure. have a bunch of sick Yeah, combo. we can do sweet like, yeah. chaining animations together and right. stuff like that, yeah. And I'm sure that stuff is awesome, and it's always interesting playing a game where and Dishonored is the same way for me. Dishonored and Mark and the Ninja both feel like this to me. Where I know there is just a huge amount of content I'm not seeing, right? Like a huge number of just animations I will never see in right. this game, and a, just a huge number of of abilities I will never choose, and and That's a lot I feel of about systems Dishonored. that I will never. Yeah. And um, one, it's it's just weird, right? Especially right. as someone who like I'm working on a game, The Cave, where our game is an extreme version of that. Where depending on what characters you pick, you won't you see like parts a of the third game. of yeah. the game. Yeah, you know, yeah. and like. Um, and so it's interesting playing other games that are a different version of that, right? Like you'll see all the levels, right. but you you won't see a lot of really significant content that is that is characters 
that is intrinsic to your character across all the levels. Yeah. Um, but I also don't. I also think it's cool when a game supports that. I mean, oh, I you, think that's same fair. with you guys. Like you guys have all this branching stuff in your game. Yeah. Um, that you know, a lot of people will just never see a lot of stuff in your game. I think that's really right. Well, I actually, I, like I mean, I, I kind of. It's tough, like especially um, when you're talking with like really, uh, really stringent production folks. Who are like, how many people are going to see that? Right. When you get into that conversation, and it occurred to me that the stuff that you're not seeing is actually adding value to your playthrough. Mm-hmm. Like every time you're not seeing something, but are aware there's something you're not seeing, you're having like yeah. the, the possibility space of what you could be seeing becomes broader that's and you're true. enjoying the game more. Yeah. That is a huge thing that's undervalued in all games, even linear games and linear experiences. Like it's a goofy childhood example that I've used many times, but when you're riding Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland, there's this one bit where the the the, the stupid track forks literally and one of the ways is probably just to the service tunnel where the boats go uh oh yeah i know you're talking about but as a little kid that blew my mind just being on the stupid fucking boat and it going and going off to the right and then being like what what is over there what is to the left yeah and you know just this huge yep but the micro version of that is you making a weird choice in mark of the ninja like what route you're going to take and then you just you miss out on that encounter but your brain still like kind of like watercolor fills in a little bit of of what could have been. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. The the feeling that there is potential there that you're not taking in favor of something else is actually cool. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think it's really good. And we uh, we always we, that's like a mantra. You're like we have to pay for the thing you're not seeing so people believe that it's there. And like that's, you know. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's well also I think when people become accustomed to the fact, I think when people internalize the fact that in this game that they're playing they know there's a bunch of stuff they're not seeing. Uh, not only does it do you do you kind of imagine what that thing could have been. I think it also just gives more resonance to the thing that you are. The thing that you exactly. are doing, right? Yeah, yeah of that's course. Yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah, Mark Ninja. That's, have, be, that's actually become the main game that I've played in the last week. Do you have yeah. any desire I was looking to go at back? Steam, back I was looking through at that game too. and and, and wreck shop. Um, kind of, and it's same with the Sonder, right? Like, I kind of think that would be interesting, but it's hard for me to imagine actually doing. I'm it. in a really weird place with Dishonored, where I'm trying to sneak around, and then I just fuck it up, and I get shot at and stabbed, uh-huh, and uh-huh. so I just turn on everybody, and then uh-huh. and I make a mess, <laughs> and just I stand like I sometimes I die and sometimes I don't. Yeah, and it's I don't know. It's been really tough for me. Because I really like that game a lot, and I've, I mean, I've talked about my conflict with that game extensively yeah, yeah. on the mm-hmm. cast, but I'm now at the stage well, does, does where that I just specific get specific situation make you like it more or less. I don't, not more, I guess, because I'm, I'm, I just don't know how I feel about it. Like, I get to yeah. a point where I just, I fuck up so bad that I just stab everybody in an area, <laughs> and I'm standing there going, "Oh, this isn't what I wanted to do." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, look what you've made me do. So you've got the alcoholic guy, basically, right? Where you're like, "I'm not going to take another drink. I'm not going to take." Yeah, and then oh. God, well, you just have the just just drunken rampage. I'm so bad at stealth games in. that that's just, I'm just hey, poor here. at them. So that is my experience all the time, which is why yeah. I find first and 3D third person stealth really really challenging. Because I'm always like, okay, I've watched these guys. I know what they're gonna do. Like mm-hmm. I spend a fuck ton of time just behind yeah. cover observing, like equipping yeah. the things that I'm going to use. And then I always end up doing some stupid bullshit thing where I halfway step out from behind the wall <laughs> or like I hit a clip volume and my guy right. doesn't yeah. duck behind the fucking face when he's supposed to. And then I'm just yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not going to quick load this now that I've been seen, but I also can't shake the six guys that just saw me. Yeah. So 
just fucking murder them all and throw them into the lake and you can move on to the next thing unsatisfied. Like that's think, my experience always. So yeah. do you guys think it might be better if you just start out with the expectation of like, yeah. I'm not going to try and like murder everyone just all the time, but my like, it, yeah. I'm going to, if that's, I have to kill a guy, I'll kill a guy. Yeah, with that's this, with this honor, that's how, I, that's how I just, I walked into yeah. it. I was like, put it on a moderate difficulty level, just doing it. Because with Deus Ex 3, yeah. I didn't get very far into the game because I was like, okay, I'm stoked for this game. Setting mm-hmm. it on hard, killing as few guys as I possibly can. Yeah. Oh my god, this game is so hard. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> yeah. Like I got to the first hub. <laughs> and yeah, that, was, that was yeah. like... Probably really only like two or three hours of play for me, but it felt oh, like a fucking awesome. It felt like a lifetime. I know. I'll, well, one day I'll get back to when I'm retired. Yeah. I just I just mean like walking around. It's not even a dangerous place because yeah. there's. No, I just mean it's like yeah. Getting to that first hub is a big moment in that game. I yep. thought anyway. The one thing that I think this honor needs to get credit for though is the fact that mostly when I fuck up, it's because of me and not because there are things like weird clip planes or like for I can't sure. duck behind like. The game is just so cleanly made, and all the edges are just perfectly sanded off. To also, having lean is really beneficial in that way because lean is safe. Yeah, you, 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 God, lean doesn't feel safe. Though. I know that's no, my no, problem. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. I wish lean is, was made to feel safe because that not knowing when I'm in cover and even like I feel like I can't help it in dishonor, but I feel like when I lean 45 degrees out from a wall and the camera just goes boop, I'm like I can just see I that in third person. See, I, I can just see that from I don't a security think that's camera, terrible, though, right? Like I think it should feel nerve wracking, even if in your brain you know that it. That you're the problem safe. is that it crosses a line of, of of plausibility for me a lot of times in the stealth, it is pretty which is hard for me yeah. to. That's actually why I think I need to get into Mark of the Ninja mm, for a lot of the so, sort. Of, it's just sort of crisp. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you're either in the shadows or you're not, and I think that's much more my like my style sure. uh-huh. because there's a sort of fungible area of plausibility mm-hmm. and dishonored that i can't get my brain around so i'm like i'm standing on top of this car can they see me yeah oh i was just leaning out behind a dumpster four just, feet away from a guy looking at him in the face and i was fine but now i'm standing on top of this but i'm getting shot at it's you know? just different logical leaps though right because for sure no no, no. i'm like, just saying I just, it's hard to straight up to, see yeah. through a door like you can see guys like two rooms away Right. No, no, no. I'm profile, not, right. Like they're both. Totally I'm not saying that the logical just, the, the logical leaps are different. I think the visual information in Mark of the Ninja is more crisp. Is more oh, it sort absolutely. Of, yeah, is. You know. I just think it's not a plausibility thing. It's just a no. But the problem thing. is because there's a lack of crispness in the rules of Dishonored that I all the only the first thing I go to as opposed to a like well, just, list of rules that I've built for myself is human plausibility. I just go to that list sure. and yeah. I go, oh, if I was yeah, up here, yeah. Dishonored is yeah. yeah. I, it, but it's the same for me with most sort of slightly fuzzy first-person immersive stealthy things. Same here. It's, it's very, not it's, just it's very hard for me mm-hmm. to internalize the rules of that world in a way that I can reconcile like intellectually and emotionally and input-output-wise, and it mm-hmm. makes me just feel like I'm bad at games. <laughs> so maybe I am. Yeah. yeah. It would be Sorry, cool. everyone. It'd be funny. It'd be, I'd be really <laughs> interested to see um, because you know games games like Dishonored are you know, more much 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 more so than a more typical first-person game, you know, first-person shooter or something, are uh, really subject... Like, little differences in playstyle can have huge output in terms of difference of actual game experience. Sure. Um, and it would be interesting to see, like, how long is a typical level playthrough, like, for you guys versus me or whatever, because the way I play is ridiculous. Like, it's mm-hmm. absurd. I don't... I, I would have to assume relatively few people play that game like I do because it would just be impractical. Like, it takes me like I, two hours a level. Oh, that's the key. Okay, that's what I was going to say. It takes yeah. me hours to finish a level. But yeah. I die a lot too. Because um, I will just sit there. I will literally sit behind, to the point of irrationality, right? Like I'll sit behind a thing like poking my head out for like five full walk cycles of these guys, right? To go around their patrol routes and like intersect each other 
I will just sit there for so long just watching the screen. And it's funny to me because I just don't – there are so few video game experiences where that's acceptable to me. Right. But it totally is in a game like Dishonored. That makes sense. Like I – it's very bizarre. And but bef- like before I do anything, I will have thought of just every possible thing that go wrong. And I don't think people should I, – I think the game would be a failure if people had to play it that way. And I don't, I don't think they do. But it is it is – weird for me to think about how of that very specific and Deus Ex 3 same way or just Deus Ex anything just that one specific genre of game will just put me into like a meditative state when I'm playing the funny thing is that sometimes when I'm in that it will actually backfire on me like I was on a a roof one time and I was just standing there for so long and I'll get so comfortable in this mode that I will just stand up from the computer and like go do like go get a drink or something just without even pausing the game because I'm so fully in this state of just my character, just purely observing, and then is there ever like a guy who just walks yeah, up behind yeah, you? Exactly. Like assassins. Like, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like occasionally, because I'll think I've actually, and that's what's funny about this, right? Is that I'll, I'll be looking. You get at, these sort of like hubristic moments. Yeah, like, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'm looking at all the guys on the ground, and I'm like, I've seen all these guys go through their their walk loops like half a dozen times. I know every path of all the ais here in this in this level or at least in the like chunk of the level that it, that that i'm in right now but what i haven't seen is the guy doing the incredibly huge like perimeter patrol or whatever on the roof or where wherever he is right that doesn't the guy on like, like the, the eight minute loop cycle or yeah, something yeah right who then hey there's that guy I'm like, oh my god and then <laughs> all of that time i've spent that full like 10 minutes i've spent up there is worth is then one of because everyone on the ground just goes yeah, like, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and what was funny to me uh, that moment when that happened i then was like oh god but because i was on the roof it was actually fairly easy for me to get out of all of their lines of sight so i just ran across like four buildings and just stood there for like five more minutes behind a thing until all the like heat you know cooled down and then i could go back to the exact same place i was before but i was like one parapet over you know like i I was like adjusted my thing and just sat there again for like 10 more minutes until i was ready to like run across the thing to like a window and I, i don't know um this was one particular level that was one of my favorite experiences i've had in the game so far because i felt like it was so well designed with this open courtyard and then multiple points of egress and, and ingress into the buildings on different floors and like patrols on little balconies and like i i can't remember what it was called but it was i mean there there are geogra- there's spaces in that game that are just incredible to me from a from just a level design standpoint and uh Maybe that's it. Maybe that. Maybe those are the times when I'm willing to. Maybe that's what makes a game. Yeah. To, able for me to just sit there and just just observe everything forever. If I feel like the space has so much going on just inherently mm-hmm. that it feels like worthwhile to do that. Whereas you'd never do that in like a lin- sort of a, a prescribed corridor shooter or something. Like right. it'd be pointless. There'd be you wouldn't get anything out of it. Yeah. Even in a, even in a stealth one, right? Like even right. in like a certain splinter cell games or something which right. some some of which are more linear than others like you know past a certain point it's highly diminishing returns yeah anyway yeah cool games <laughs> you guys want to take a break yeah let's take a break okay. <clears throat> cool game. what a weird episode yeah strange that's not bad not good it's fine deal with it maybe i'll play through dishonored as a psychopath mode like, I should start using grenades and shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did. Actually, I actually, it's funny, actually, because you mentioned, you, you asked me, um, <laughs> take a break. Uh, you asked me, uh, would I play through Mark of the Ninja or Dishonored or again as just, or yeah. Jake, you asked me, but as Crazy Guy. 
That's like, I actually did do that with Deus Ex 3. I played through a second time where I just killed everybody. I killed absolutely everyone was I could fun? find. Yeah, it was, but it was it felt like a it felt like a novelty, you know, it felt like almost like a gag. Right, like, it it's just, like you see the the first like very finely and meticulously measured film and then you see the Saturday Night Live sketch. The guy kicks <laughs> right, down the exactly, door with yeah. like three right. bazookas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it was it was weird. I it was definitely kind of <laughs> like the greatest hits album where I'm just like, I just want more of this. Like I don't even care. Like I don't I don't care how subtle and interesting and like well put together it is. Whatever. I'm just gonna play this game again. Which I never, I almost never do. I almost never play a game a second time. Does Mark of the Ninja have a menu for being able to jump back to specific missions, or do you have? To- yes, it actually confuses the hell out of me because if you, <laughs> when you when you press play game, it jumps you in that menu to the latest checkpoint you're on. But if you press left and then right, you don't end up in the place you were. Ooh. The first, time. yeah, I don't understand how it scrolls through those missions, but it is confusing as hell. I. I once – about a week ago when I loaded up this game, I spent about 15 minutes of like loading and quitting the game in just complete confusion trying to figure out where I was before. It was very weird. That sucks. So now I never press left or right ever. Like I press game and I continue and I just press play wherever it is and I don't ever think about the mission name or anything because I don't trust myself to like be able to, to no. read. I was asking very odd. because then if you wanted – if there was a particular encounter that looked like it might be fun to play through yeah. murdering people, you could actually yeah. jump back to it and just play that one. I'll wait until I'm done with the game. You play that one board. Start, before I start. I, I hear they're called that. boards. They're yeah, called boards. God, used to drive me crazy when I was a kid. You know, you know what game I, I first heard someone refer to a level as a board? Mm. Did you ever play um, Glider on Mac? Yeah. I played so, Mac Shower episode. Yeah, I played <laughs> so much Glider as a kid. It was this game where you have a paper airplane that um, it starts in like a corner of a room, usually up high, and you push it off. And then at that point, you just lose altitude at an on, at a fixed rate, and you can go left or right with this little paper airplane. And you have to get it through like candles that'll light you on fire, or like you can't hit the ground. But like heat vents will boost you back. Heat up. vents will boost you up. Yeah, and fans will blow you really far. And it was it was a really clever, I guess you'd call it a platformer. I don't know what you call this game. It was it's a the the weird verticality and just like increasing downward motion made it feel like no other side yeah. perspective game. The that was really cool. It was really awesome, and it had a level editor uh, where you could make your own levels. Oh, your own boards, awesome. Your own boards, yeah. And I might fight a friend who called the levels boards, and I'd never heard anyone refer to a level as a board before and it just drove me bonkers for some reason because it just was outside of my known vocabulary Sean, Sean and I for some reason are under the impression that boards is an east coast word is that true? yeah we're talking to Sean Ainsworth about yeah that. a friend of ours hmm. said that a lot of his friends called them boards and I think that's know, funny because yeah. at the point at which this was the case this was when I just moved from the east coast mm. and it and I had never heard boards and it drove me crazy mm. but maybe it well, is well there is that noted game designer board lord <laughs> He's the what? He was he from New York or something? Yeah, like yeah. He's yeah. Good. Bored Lord. Bored Lord. <laughs> oh God. This is a weird glider, episode. man. I should I should download Glider. I, I'm sure you can. I'm sure there's an emulator for like old Mac. I games. think the Glider actually got ported to PC at some point. Oh man. Glider is, I think, like a tiny version, like a minuscule version of the Tetris story where one guy made it and it was distributed on Mac floppy disks forever. And then someone else was like, ah, oh, that Glider is big, big, big business. Yeah. So I, I think Glider is just owned by some random holding company at this point. Glider is one of those games that is 
one of my kind of secret foundational games. Not secret because I deliberately don't ever mention it, but just because I always forget. Like it's always overshadowed in my brain by things like SimCity and Civ One and and stuff like that, which were the games that I always think of as like my really early foundational exposure to video games. But Glider, I probably played just as much as SimCity. Uh, I just I don't think about it as often because it doesn't connect to like a thread that keeps there aren't more games I played after that and like other things that I played that kind of tie into Glider. But holy crap, I played that game a lot. That is why, and I will not talk about this anymore on this episode, but early 90s Mac shareware is super interesting because (laughs) it is this weird branch of gaming that just has stopped Mm -hmm. and very little of it ever sort of like got picked up and extended out or like merged sort of back into the trunk of the gaming lexicon. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Yeah. Glider is awesome, though. Yeah. God, that game was so good. You guys want to take a break? Yeah, sorry. We'll take a break <laughs> for real. Not sorry about that, Sean. Wait, hold on. Video games. Did you guys ever play the original 2D Duke Nukem? Yes, yes. it's pretty good. That's fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> That's PC shitware. That's Apogee. Yep. Oh, please. Did you ever play Dark Castle? Yes. <laughs> We gotta stop talking about this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. We're back. Jake. Oh, hey, guys. Guess what? Gonna wrap huh, up huh, with some huh, totally now. back. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Language. I all mean, right. poo. Uh, all right. Peter Smith says, hello, everyone. Why don't console games allow you to fully or, mo- or more robustly rebind the controls? I'm gradually losing mm. function in my hands, and some buttons are harder for me to press. <sighs> I know that it's ridiculous. What? That's horrible. I'm sorry, that's just like the just casually dropping. I'm gradually like losing my that's really terrible. I'm sorry. God. He says, I know that it's ridiculous to expect a company to tailor their games around my edge case, but rebindable controls seem like they would benefit everybody. Peter from Virginia. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree yeah. with them. I wish that were I it's odd to me that that never became just an expected thing in console. And you'd think it'd be easier than it would be on PC. The thing is, so it's one of those inputs. I really think it has to do with just how bullshit game development is. I really think it is just one of those things that gets on a list somewhere and somebody says somebody bills four hours against it or like no, no, totally. 12 hours against it because of no, absolutely. I'm just programming saying, if in you're UI a and then it game, goes away. It's one of those things that you can't just shunt off, right? Like if right. you're making a PC game, most PC games anyway, uh, anything where the control, like where fluidity of control is important, it's going to be in there, period. And it's just one of those things that in console development, it could have become one of those yeah. and it just never did. I think. I mean, as somebody who like we're making a console game first, and we don't do that. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> and especially. I mean, I think in it's less of a big deal in a game like. Reader. Well, I guess you have QTEs, so that is. Yeah. That there are and I only guffawed because I was so surprised by that being the turn in that email. It yeah. was just not it was something I was expecting. So I'm sorry well, about. There's something that. that I mean, yeah, I think we, I think we, I, I definitely agree with this guy 100. percent I mean, um, obviously for people like me, it was just a matter of convenience. But for a lot of people, it's actually a significant. It would be a significant improvement to their experience if they could rebind controls. Yeah. Like, very significant. Um, is there, there's nothing, like, TCR-related to any of that stuff, is there? I'm sure there's weird there requirements, is, but actually. the, the <laughs> yeah. reason that I'm sure that it's easier on the PC is that mouse 1, 2, 3, and every key on your keyboard are simple binary mm-hmm. on-off digital inputs. Yeah. Whereas with a console, you have face buttons which, oh, that's totally which, which are digital in some cases and on some systems they're analog you have triggers which are analog. analog I think they're all digital now P- oh, PS3 doesn't do the analog face buttons I like it did on PS2 so. but PS2 like the diff- you know the two sticks the triggers the yeah. um, bumpers and face buttons 
I'm sure that some pe- like with some games, people just feel like it's an overwhelming prospect to sure. allow you to rebind between those different. And inputs. also because you would I only th- be able to rebind the face buttons, right? Yeah, you can rebind the face buttons and the uh, the bumpers, uh, analog re- stick clicks and right. bumpers. But I think you could. I think just rebinding like for like, I think would still be a big step up, right? Yeah. Just rebind yeah. face buttons to other re- face buttons. Switch which analog stick does what yep. thing. Like, I mean, you know, every controller has two analog sticks now. Like, switch which triggers do. I mean, because some people have can just use the right handers and even if yep. all they could do is just change which trigger did the thing or which shoulder button did the thing that for some people that would be a big improvement it yeah it brings up a lot of just yeah i i agree ideally i think that would be fantastic but just the you can represent almost all of those things using the same visual surface area in your ui on mm-hmm. a pc whereas on a console right. an a button an rt an rb an ls and rs I was just gonna say are, are so very dumb. different shapes so people end up building these really sort of bespoke on screen uis sure. i think and if, like if this were more expected i think a standard way of representing that stuff would probably shake out pretty quickly. There is a standard way of representing it, but well, it's deliberately there's, yeah there's also no using standard the shape way of, the of to explain because already game consoles have the problem of Players don't fucking know L1 from R or L1 from L2 on PlayStation 3 until you've just had it beat into you. But yeah. like people use the shape of those elements in UI to try and like. Right. It's one of know. those problems that could definitely be figured out if somebody sat down and figured it yeah. out. And people just don't get the time to do it. Well, there's another thing that there's another alternative, which um, the Halo games have always done, which is just at least offering you a few schemes. Yeah, right. The schemes is a good is good. There's like Southpaw and the, yeah. Yeah, no, classic yeah. and well, yeah. Um, also, there's one thing I want to say that's a little bit tangential to this, but it's a really awesome thing about working at Double Fine. Um, our game, um, uh, Double Fine Happy Action Theater and our upcoming game Connect Party, which is a sequel. So it's, it's quite similar. Um, those are Connect games that are like they're very deliberately all ages like there's no competitive element there's no score like they're just a bunch of hilarious awesome activities where you just goof around in front of the connect and amazing things happen on the screen like the guys who make those games are, are wizards at, at double fine uh with the connect um and a really fascinating thing that was not an intentional goal of those games but has emerged as a really strong um use case for um happy action theater and connect party is schools that for um that are specifically oriented towards kids with special needs and kids with disabilities um uh, happy action theater is used in a lot of these schools because it is so um like forgiving in in the sense of it doesn't really matter if you don't have this one specific kind of fine motor control or like whatever like the game is the game will respond um, in the game's in, like one feature requirement is be alive. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah, ha- have some degree of movement available right. to you. And like, it's really awesome to get to see videos of these kids just having a ball with this game and have teachers yeah. write and just say how much this, the games are helpful in terms of, uh, of, uh, communicating various like motor control skills to these kids. It's amazing. Like it's an amazing thing. It, I mean, they're just probably some of the most accessible That's awesome. games that exist. And like, they're going to love connect party. I know they really are. <laughs> like so good. Connect party is so, I, I think it's such a big step up already from happy action theater. I mean, I'm, is the game we play, double fine and I play them, thinks yeah. sequel to double fine game mm-hmm. is good, but like, but I, I will know, say that is whatever. the game that Jake it's and I played awesome. the most hours of at PAX. We just stood at your booth yeah. when you weren't even there. <laughs> like, is Chris here? No. Okay. We'll be over here uh, in the dubstep room. it's i don't know that games games generally have such a specific like demographic target or at least the kind of games we talk about it's just it's awesome being in a company where 
that is like a common use case right. for for games that we made. I don't know, it's rad. Um, so that's not yeah. Quite, but yeah, no, what I the think, guy's question. Was I mean, about. yeah, I, think I mean, you I hope it up the best though, Sean. When you said it is a problem that could be solvable, but it's it's frustratingly not one that anyone actually cares to do. Like, this, and also, I mean, everything in games is like, man, so much of games is there's no standard way of doing anything at any developer ever right there's no like not share true. like it's not like it's very frustrating like if you're like a second if you're like a camera loader in hollywood you know how to do that on every film ever in the game industry there's nothing even comparable to that maybe 2d art well, <laughs> in this very specific case there are standards there's exact exact imagery you're supposed to use for every the representation on, on every controller representational standards but zero like sort of back implementation standards. sure yeah. but the yeah. representational standards are also built in a way that they're not remotely swappable yeah it's not yeah there's even within the forced language there's no common base yeah it sucks all right uh adam Connolly writes evening chaps i feel one of the most uh, evocative simulated systems in the sims series is that of man's primal curiosity of fire do you think uh many other games succeed knowingly or not to provide mechanical devices rather than story elements that portray traits not only of the characters Mm. but of society or mankind in a grander scheme cheers adam uh, real lives 2010 <laughs> <laughs> i mean that game's i mean it is it's all very just overt just text saying this happens i don't know if that's what the guy right. means exactly but you it all emerges out of yeah. just percentages and uh, uh, sim- simple systems but systems nonetheless i feel like board games do a lot of that stuff board really games, well. i think do this stuff well yeah i mean we always talked about that when we were playing imperial 2030 mm-hmm. about how just because countries uh especially near saudi arabia became these sort of like traversal crossroads for trying to get anything done in the region. Yeah. Just they, they gnarly became, shit would they break out. important access of control. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. So if you just wanted to have a very like like secluded, um, like uh, outside of conflict playthrough, you just go over, you grab Brazil, you grab North America, yeah. and you well, sit back. What's so funny about that is that yeah. it really like... Yeah, the people that, who are just tromping through the Middle East all over the place. It is. Oh. It's this crossroads Europe of the, fucked Europe and the Middle East end up being just this war zone, which is so funny when yeah. you actually... I mean, yeah, that's how the world was for centuries. Yeah, it's really... And you kind of get to a place... I mean, still and the fun thing about playing the game is that you start having conversations about like, is this just our historical bias as players or either are there things inherent to the geography of these places? Well, I think there's, I and mean, that gets into some really deep, like, yeah, well, I think people have those academic arguments today. And there's well, some, the like, that's that the some inflection States, point of large arguments. I think, I think a lot of it, I mean, it's a combination of both, right? Because I mean, right. you look at the United States, if that, if North America as a continent had remained a collection of various colonies by a bunch of different world powers, it would have looked a lot different, right? Like, right. but the fact that it all from coast to coast was centralized under one federal government meant that until you know the 20th century, like you, the United States was not obviously the United States was involved in conflicts during during uh, from, until prior to the 20th century, obviously, but it was not subject to the same just ongoing trend right. yeah, very that you saw, you know, in, yeah. in, in in Europe and the Middle East, and like that was. Um, a lot of that was just geographical and, and a lot of it was sort of political, but, uh, or, or rather the geographical fallout of like political evolution. Right. Yeah. Um, but given that situation, it makes perfect sense. And when you start playing that board game, I don't think you're bound by those things. Right. right? Like people play board games in wacky ways. It's right. like, yeah, I'm going to be Brazil and conquer the world. Like that's not right. Like, yeah, yeah. necessarily analogous to anything, but you still end up with a lot of very similar situations. 
just and to get the game the question back to video games i think games that actually play with um light and dark like actually the the where light is being a mechanic some of that stuff i think is pretty cool when it gets mm-hmm. to sort of human's desire to not be in the dark and how's the scary things that are in the dark right. are you know in amnesia is a great example <laughs> yep. and especially that is the core mechanic of the game mm-hmm. uh you know actually i think like um your early silent hill games when you're just sort of walking mm, yeah. through these fog these fogs and fog, there's all yeah, this yeah. like sort of the unknown behind the fog yeah, silent hills are really good yeah example. i feel like that gets to this like that's less of the system that's sort of like creating um, av with which it, it can be deemed a loose system yeah. i think that creates a feeling inside of you a, a behavior and feeling inside of you as the player as opposed to a system that's cr- then being re-represented by an npc or essentially or as yeah whatever you would call a sim you're not a NPC, but you know the, 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 actual, the actual human being in the game, The Sims. Yeah, it's a sim. they called Sims. I they're think called it's, Sims. Yeah, they're okay. Called Sims. Okay. Um, and it, so it's a little different, but I think stuff like day night cycles and games like Far Cry Two really like the the dawn, like a dawning <laughs> day, like daybreak in that game. Yeah, yeah. Inspires like awe and wonder in me, and like I just really start setting shit on fire as soon as the sun comes up. <laughs> um, I mean, that's again. I don't know how. I think I don't know how much that that strays from like the core of this guy's question, but definitely mm-hmm. it evokes in me very, very similar reactions to, you know, if, if you're not in the middle of combat or something, obviously, which just gets into like craziness, but like, uh, there's a lot of moments in games like that where the, if the system is built in such a way that you actually have played a lot of it in just regular daylight or, you know, complete darkness, or whatever, like having being in those, dusk or or dawn midpoints really does i think evoke a lot of the feelings you get in those situations yeah totally world, yeah which is what i like about games mm-hmm. like frog fractions what's <laughs> it like to ride a dragon all right um do you want to call it two and then do uh, we got one more that we can oh, answer yeah, yeah. in a word so uh simon van alphen says would pikmin be a good fit for a loma style game on a console like a new multiplayer mode in a sequel or a download spinoff could it work in split screen kind regards simon van alphen the answer is absolutely uh, yes, yes <laughs> clearly i think it'd be cool to do i mean it'd be nice to see some sort of lo- like hyper competitive non-shooter based game emerge on the consoles that was i think that could be really cool mm-hmm. i wish there was more stuff like that you listening nintendo Pikmin they're 4. not listening no they're not, they're not. <laughs> oh, yeah. to this That's podcast <laughs> the answer is definitively no yeah uh satoru iwata writes <laughs> reggie fisame inquires all right cool i think that's it all right guys uh talk to you later see ya questions at lthumbs.net write us bye use the internet bye video games video God, I fucking wish I had bought Halo 4 and played it. Or... I will play Halo 4 with you. I'll do it. Really? If you get Halo 4, I'll get Halo 4. And then we can... can we, does the game have a co-op campaign? Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll play over Xbox co-op. Live, though. That's fine. I don't want to play on the same TV. No, no, no. We have two Xboxes, though, so we should co-op Halo 4. Oh, man. Tickles me, Chris. It 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 tickles me, Chris.